I'm Maria, and welcome to the 3L podcast series, Limited Liability Leadership, Raising the Bar in Leading the Bar. Thanks for checking out our upcoming limited podcast series developed and produced by Class 8 of the W.N. Reese Smith Jr. Leadership Academy Program of the Florida Bar. Hi, this is the Limited Liability Leadership Podcast, where we'll discuss raising the bar and leading the bar. My name is Christina Mills, Assistant State Attorney with the Miami-Dade State Attorney's Office and a member of the Florida Bar Leadership Academy, Class 8. Today, I'll be your host discussing access to justice for low-income communities. I'm excited to introduce our two guest speakers. Our first speaker, Jamie Cassidy, is the Chief Diversity Officer and Pro Bono Advocacy Director for Legal Services of Greater Miami where she developed and implements a pro bono transformation strategic plan that facilitates the delivery of high quality client-centered legal services to clients throughout Miami-Dade and Monroe counties by successfully recruiting, training, and recognizing pro bono attorneys and developing varied pro bono projects to meet the community's legal needs. In 2020, the Legal Services Pro Bono Program was a recipient of the state's L. Michael Ruffino pro bono award as a result of transformation projects. She is a national panelist for the ABA and the Equal Justice Conference on pro bono and access to justice topics and has published articles on both topics. Jamie is the former director of the Veterans Law Clinic, the Legal Incubator, and the Adults with Intellectual and Developmental Disabilities Law Clinic at Nova Southeastern University Shepherd Broad College of Law. Additionally, she has served in the public sector as a supervising attorney at Coast to Coast Legal Aid of South Florida Incorporated, chief assistant for the Broward County Public Defender, and as an assistant attorney general. Our second speaker, Brandy Thomas, began her legal career in public service, serving as an assistant public defender with the Broward County Public Defender's Office for over three years. She later launched a solo practice, the law offices of Brandy J. Johnson, PA, where she partners exclusively with the Akbar Law Firm, where she currently serves as a family law, personal injury, and bankruptcy attorney. She's admitted to the District of Columbia Bar, the Florida Bar, and both the Southern and Northern Districts of the Florida Bar. Her broad experience in civil and family cases makes her a strategic advocate with a larger focused approach to client needs. With a passion for community service and outreach, Brandy prides herself on most recently serving as the president of the Legal Aid Foundation of Tallahassee, the mission of which is to mobilize and educate volunteer attorneys and provide direct legal services to those in need. Brandy has shown a great commitment to the Tallahassee community by serving on boards such as the Tallahassee Barristers Association as past president, the Virgil Hawkins Florida chapter of the National Bar Association, the Big Bend Minority Chamber of Commerce, Women's Leadership Council, and more recently, a volunteer general counsel for the Tallahassee Junior League. Jamie and Brandy, thank you for taking the time to join us today. Now, before we jump into the discussion, can you both give us a brief background on the legal aid organizations that you work for and some basic demographic information about the jurisdictions that you serve? Hi, Christina. First, I'd like to thank you so very much for having me on today. I'll tell you that the Legal Aid Foundation of Tallahassee represents, our mission is to represent people in the Tallahassee area. We provide services in pro bono fashion or um, 
referral base to individuals in need who meet a criteria of being at or below 125% of the federal poverty uh, line. So that means that a lot of our clients reside in areas where resources are limited and basically a family of four makes no more than about $26,000 a month. Um, Most of our clients are in what we consider a uh, rural area, but a lot of urban areas as well. Hi, yes. Thank you. Uh, This is Jamie, and I'm also pleased to be here as a guest. I work with Legal Services of Greater Miami, and we serve the Miami-Dade County and Monroe County populations, also low-income communities or at-risk communities. Uh, We are a non-for-profit law firm. We have approximately 30 attorneys that assist, and we help in the areas of tenants' rights, consumer and bankruptcy and foreclosure issues, and health and income maintenance, which is all of public benefits, federal and state benefits. And we also have specialty sections for special education, veterans work, low-income tax work, and other specialty groups and demographics that may need assistance can come to our organization for assistance in almost any civil legal need that they may have. Okay, great. So can you guys just kind of describe what is legal aid and are there different types of legal aid organizations? So sure, um, a legal aid organization will typically represent um, low-income communities in civil legal areas. Most do not assist with criminal legal areas. Some organizations may take up a quasi-criminal, but not full criminal. And in the state of Florida, there are basically two types of programs. The restricted programs, which are federally funded mostly by the Legal Services Corporation, and the non-restricted programs. The restricted programs um, cannot help with illegal immigration work or anyone who is non-documented. So we look to our sister legal aid organizations to help us with the overflow of clients um, who may not be eligible for our services. And in Florida, you can find most counties, larger counties will have a restricted program and a non-restricted program. So for example, in the Miami-Dade area, you have legal services of Greater Miami, which is restricted. And then our non-restricted partners, such as Dade Legal Aid, put something back, or CABA, or Catholic Charities, or Immigrants for Justice, will help us with the clients that we cannot serve. Brandy, can you give us a little bit of information about legal aid in on the Tallahassee area or in a more rural you know, setting? Absolutely. So piggybacking off of Jamie and explaining restricted and non-restricted, Legal Aid Foundation of Tallahassee is a non-restricted program. So we essentially can service any type of area. We don't, fortunately, we do have another program in town that we partner with a lot, Legal Services of North Florida. Legal Aid Foundation of Tallahassee, we handle a variety of cases through such as mostly family law cases. And we do that through providing uh, volunteer attorneys to 
our clients that are in need. And then we refer a lot of cases to legal services of North Florida and other partnership organizations for cases that we don't generally take, such as bankruptcy or immigration or landlord tenant and things of those nature. We do have, currently we do not have any staff attorneys in our office, in our firm. We primarily use volunteer attorneys to service our clients. Okay. And by volunteer attorneys, you mean attorneys that may be working at other larger law firms or smaller firms or in other practices, and they're just volunteering their extra um, time to do pro bono hours with your organization, correct? Absolutely, Christina. We have a long list of very dedicated pro bono attorneys in the area um, that work in all different types of fields from big firms, large firms, um, individuals who practice bankruptcy, individuals who practice criminal law and work at the uh, public defender's office, or even um, solo practitioners. We call on them on a regular basis to take cases or specific limited issues within a case to help our clients. So what type of service areas do you find to be in the highest demand um, in your respective jurisdictions? I can imagine that they may be a little bit different based off of the demographic and the population of your areas. Brandy, what about in Tallahassee? So our organization reports 86% of our cases, um, whether we are servicing them or they're currently on a wait list to be serviced. 86% are family law related. A very far second from that are landlord-tenant issues. So interestingly enough, most of our clients are either asking for uh, some sort of time sharing with their minor children or dissolution of marriages. We see that 86%. So we are constantly trying to obtain attorneys who are comfortable taking family law matters. Are there any unique areas that you see client request services? We generally find that individuals that are coming into our office are asking for family-related issues and or bankruptcy, which again, we, we partner, we refer those to legal services of North Florida. And in the event that legal services of North Florida has a conflict on a case, we then can take it and then resource it out. So that's one of the great parts of being a non-restricted program is that even though we do have that initial partnership where we send clients to our partner organization, if there is a conflict, we can then, we will then take the case and then make sure, you know, see if we can find a uh, volunteer attorney to take that case. Okay, great. Jamie, how about in Miami-Dade and Monroe counties? What are some of the common areas that you see requested? So, you know, Miami-Dade is is more urban and uh, Monroe County is is more uh, rural or suburban. And in both counties, our largest civil legal need has been in the tenants' rights arena. And that was even prior to COVID, prior to the pandemic. We are now um, bracing for a large surge in need, particularly in tenants' rights, but specifically in the eviction defense arena. And and like most of the country, we're bracing for how to handle um, the tsunami of eviction cases that we anticipate because of the COVID pandemic. Yes, definitely. 
that is definitely on the horizon and coming very soon. Um, so how do some of your clients find your organizations or learn about their, your services that are offered? So at Legal Services, we, again, um, like Brandy mentioned, we partner with many of our other organizations. So word of mouth referral. We've actually been in Miami-Dade for over 50 years. Um, so most of our partners are familiar with our services. Um, the, the courts and the clerks are familiar with our services. And we also do a lot of social media, Facebook Live, and a lot of outreach in the community where we specifically go to um, low-income communities, their churches, their um, educational seminars that they may host in the schools. So we're out and about in the community and we have a good referral base based on our partnerships. Same here, Christina. We are, we're fortunate enough to have our office, Legal Aid Foundation's office is located in the courthouse. And so that gives us a very, very great presence with the community that are coming into the courthouse anyways. Um, the clerks are very familiar with our services. So the clerks will send individuals that they recognize need some assistance or are in a, a low income or low resource area. They will send them right across the hall to the Legal Aid Foundation's office. We also, like most legal services um, organizations in the state of Florida, and I imagine, you know, nationwide, we do a lot of outreach. We actually have a program that's called Mobile Law for All, and it's exactly what it sounds like. We are providing mobile law services. We are going into the communities that may use, you know, or may have transportation issues or may not want to go to the courthouse for several reasons, right? We are sending our attorneys into those areas, giving free consultations, follow-up advice on cases that they already have. Since COVID, we have moved our mobile law for all to a virtual setting. So we have someone from our office go into the communities with tablets to make sure that people can still get services. We are promoting, just like Jamie said, we are promoting on social media. We are constantly, we're doing, you know, explaining to people like we are now explaining where we are and what we do so that we can help as many people as possible. What are the eligibility criteria for a client to receive pro bono services? So for our organization, if you are at or below 125% of the federal poverty line, which again is for a family of four, $26,000 or less, you are eligible. Um, we are also uh, uh, representing, or you're also eligible if you live in what we call the promise zone area, which is a low income, high risk area. So we're servicing families in those areas as well. So for legal services organization, um, we also primarily target clients who are at or below the poverty level. We do have special exceptions for certain demographics. For example, we have a grant for our veteran population, which allows us to go a little bit higher. We also have no income restrictions for uh, seniors over the age of 60. So we're allowed to service that group as well in most of our civil legal service areas that we have. 
And we also have a community economic development project, which helps nonprofits and small business and minority business owners. So we also have a special exception for the income levels for those business organizations. So what about the working middle class in that particular area? I know that Brandy mentioned, you know, the number for about 26,000 or below for a family of four. And that is really low and completely understandable why that demographic would be eligible. But there are a lot of other families that may make more than that, maybe whether it's 30,000 or even sometimes 40 or 50,000, but still feel like I can't afford an attorney. Is there any relief for those types of families? Sure. So for at Legal Services, um, our goal really for all of our client base, whether it's a, a single household or a four person household or a small business, is economic stability. So what we'll do is we'll do a, a legal needs assessment and income check. So, for example, if you come to us and um, you need some sort of assistance, a public benefit that will allow the household to be stable, for example, unemployment assistance, but someone else in the household is still making enough money um, to put you over the, the low income threshold. Say there's debt, medical debt or some other debt in the household. We try to offset the extra income based on the debt or the needs of the household, the income needs of the household. The working class um, poor is working middle class, working class poor is probably the more or the most group in need when you talk about access to justice. So we try our best to work with that group and the funding to make sure that they have more significant options or greater options for economic stability for the entire household. Okay, great. Now let's switch gears a little bit. If an attorney wants to volunteer to take on pro bono clients through legal aid, where can they go to sign up and find resources? The state of Florida has a website called Pro Bono Matters, and that's through the Florida Bar Foundation. So they can just go floridabarfoundation.org and, and put in pro bono matters. And most of the legal aid organizations across the state use that platform to post their cases. So an attorney can go on and, and type that in, and then they can do a search by geographic location and by the type of case they want to assist with. Um, and it almost looks like Monopoly cards. It's a great website. It's very visual and gives you information about available cases statewide. Brandy, are there any other um, opportunities or programs in through Tallahassee that you would recommend? So in Tallahassee, if an attorney wants to volunteer and help someone who uh, a case that is in need, they can go to our website, which is legallytallahassee.org. On that website, they will find a link that says help now, and it'll give different cases that are available for attorneys to help with. We don't just do the full case because sometimes attorneys don't have the time to do a full case. We are now doing what we call a la carte services or limited representation. Sometimes if we can get an attorney on a case for a hearing that's set next week, that is a lot, a lot more helpful to 
someone who is on the waiting list and can't get an attorney for several months out. So there are several ways. You can also call our office, come by the courthouse. We are there and available for any attorney that wants to provide pro bono services. What are some of the most common reasons why you think attorneys are hesitant to volunteer and what resources do the legal aid organizations have to address these concerns? So I have found and my organization has found that one of the bigger reasons why attorneys are hesitant to take cases, as I said to you earlier, 86 percent of our cases are family law related. And so attorneys who don't practice family law Initially, they are turned off for whether they've heard that the cases are very difficult, whether there is not enough training. They just have never taken a family law case and they don't know what to do. They're worried about malpractice or malpractice insurance. Fortunately for our organization, we noted this need and we established a program that we modeled after a program up north several years ago. It's called Thunderdome Tallahassee. And this program specifically recruits eight to 12 attorneys in our area to provide them basically eight months worth of training. And each month, there is a different CLE training that these attorneys are given by judges, experienced attorneys, people that are uh, individuals that are working with Department of Revenue to give attorneys training in the area that we have the greatest need for. This organization or this program actually um, allows the attorneys that are being trained to then take on cases, uh, which reduces our wait list, which gets our community service and allows the attorney to do pro bono work without feeling inadequate to take on cases. Fortunately, we also make sure that there's malpractice insurance, that there are um, funds available for those attorneys to do depositions and, and, you know, other things that they need in order to be successful in that case. So a lot of support. Okay, great. Jamie? Yeah, so I would agree with Brandy. I think um, mentorship and support is probably one of the biggest reasons why an attorney would be hesitant to take a case. Um, An attorney who wants to take a case can reach out to their local legal aid organization, which they can find a list under the FloridaBarFoundation.org resources page. And uh, like Brandy said, most, if not all of the, the legal aid organizations across the state will offer malpractice insurance. The training can differ from region to region, but like Brandy's program at Legal Services of Greater Miami, um, we use a learning management system and we train all of our attorneys who take pro bono cases in our high needs areas um, and they get uh, CLEs and um, a mentor with also the wraparound support of any forms or documents that they may need. So I think that mentorship and the training helps attorneys feel more confident to take a case. Um, They also have a a point person, which for our organization is me. Uh, If they have questions, uh, I refer them to a staff attorney and partner them with a staff attorney so that attorney can guide them uh, through the case. We believe that investing in a pro bono attorney helps them feel more comfortable and makes them want to come back. Our goal is to always have the attorney have a positive experience 
Um, so they'll tell two friends and then they'll tell two friends um, to build our base and to keep a foundation of pro bono attorneys engaged. What advice would you give attorneys who want to volunteer but are concerned about the time commitment? So I think um, the first thing that attorneys should consider is the fact that pro bono clients are just like your paying clients. So if if you wouldn't take a case, a paying client client case because you're stressed or you don't have time, then you should have that same thought process with a pro bono client. Um, Because pro bono clients have all the rights um, that a paying client would have. Um, So I would ask questions of the legal, the referring agency. How much time do you think this case will take? And be true to yourself and be true to the client. I agree with that, Christina. I, I definitely agree that um, attorneys should be very cognizant of the type of case that they're getting and, and ask questions such as how long this case is going to last. But because one can never really know how long a case is going to last from the beginning, I would just say that attorneys should, one, really, really make pro bono service a priority. Um the number of individuals that are in need of services are probably three times more than the individuals that are in need that can afford the services. Remember your oath that we took to do pro bono services to the community and also look for opportunities um, that align with your current situation. So I feel like, and and I think Jamie can agree, there is something for every attorney. There is a case that is a simple child support case. There is a chapter seven that you can do. There There are different types of cases that will fit your need. And if you simply ask, if you make the effort to reach out and find out Um, which cases can fit within your current lifestyle or your working environment, you will be doing so, so much good for the community. What is one thing that you wished all attorneys could know about legal aid? Uh, Well, I'm laughing because I want to, I want to say that we're real lawyers. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. That um, is so true. So that we we are attorneys. We we went to law school. We took the bar just because our passion and dedication is different, and um, and, and we serve clients that um, may have access to justice issues. Doesn't mean that our work doesn't have an impact in the community. Um, like Brandy said earlier, the large majority of clients who are low income or have uh, some sort of marginalization need legal aid agencies like ours. I would echo that sentiment. Legal aid organizations work really hard. The individuals, the attorneys, the staff that work within these organizations work tirelessly to serve the community. The work doesn't stop. You go to bed thinking about these cases, you wake up thinking about the cases, and sometimes they're that much harder because the resources are so limited. So I think if attorneys or the community as a whole really, really took that into consideration, they would be more giving of their time if they knew that the people that are volunteering with these organizations are really, really giving their their all to help the community. 
Why would you say that it's important for attorneys, especially attorneys that are working for firms that have a lot of resources to partner with legal aid and to volunteer their time um, to do take on pro bono cases through legal aid? I think that goes back to what Jamie was saying earlier. If you give of your time and you have a great experience, you'll tell two people, they will tell two people, and it increases the number of people that can give back to the community. If you're working for big firms and those firms have, you know, budgets for pro bono work, you know, in some instances, the resources that I talked about earlier, such as depositions and court reporters, you know, that may be something that these bigger firms can, uh, those are costs that the bigger firms can absorb. And it takes off some of the stress, the financial stress from the legal aid organization. So it, it it's a circular effect. If we are all giving, then we're all winning, you know, and I don't want to sound cliche, but that that's really what it is. You know, Jamie, what do you think? I, I agree. And especially our organization is, is one that does a lot of systemic work that has impact state and nationwide. And when we have a, a firm that comes in and like Brandy said, will assist with the 50 depositions, uh, the cost of that litigation, something we wouldn't otherwise be able to undertake with our limited resources and budget, the law firm that steps up and helps us with those cases, again, the impact has a ripple effect across not only our communities locally, but statewide and across the nation. So I, I think for firms who don't have pro bono requirements for their attorneys, um, they should consider saying, we'll, we'll step into the case and co-counsel, even if it's just for the monetary assistance that they're providing to the legal aid organizations. Jamie and Brandy, this has truly been a pleasure. This was a very informative conversation We are really just addressing the tip of the iceberg with this issue, but you both provided our listeners with some great resources to follow up with if they have any more questions. So thank you for that. For those of you that are looking to get in touch with either of our speakers, Jamie can be reached at jcassidy, that's J-C-A-S-S-I-D-Y at legalservicesmiami.org. And Brandy can be reached at Brandy. B-R-A-N-D-I at akbarlawfirm.com. That's at A-K-B-A-R lawfirm.com. I believe that's all the time that we have for today. On behalf of the Leadership Academy Class 8, thank you once again for taking the time to speak with us. That will wrap up today's episode of Access to Justice for Low-Income Communities. Thanks for joining us today on the Limited Liability Leadership Podcast. Don't forget to check out the other episodes to learn more about raising the bar and leading the bar.